Chapter 3A of Native Races and the War by Josephine Elizabeth Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bill Mosley. 3. Dr. Livingston's Experiences in the Transvaal and in Surrounding Native Districts. The following is an extract from the missionary travels and researches in South Africa of the venerable pioneer David Livingston. Quote, An adverse influence with which the mission had to contend was the vicinity of the Boers of the Kashan Mountains near Pretoria, otherwise named Magalisburg. These are not to be confounded with the Cape colonists who sometimes pass by the name. The word Boer simply means farmer and is not synonymous with our word Boer. Indeed, to the Boers generally, the latter term would be quite inappropriate, for they are a sober, industrious, and most hospitable body of peasantry those however who have fled from english law on various pretexts and have been joined by english deserters and every other variety of bad character in their distant localities are unfortunately of a very different stamp the great objection many of the boers had and still have to english law is that it makes no distinction between black men and white they felt aggrieved by their supposed losses in the emancipation of their hottentot slaves and determined to erect themselves into a republic in which they might pursue without molestation the proper treatment of the blacks it is almost needless to add that the proper treatment has always contained in it the essential element of slavery namely compulsory unpaid labor one section of this body under the late mr hedrick potgeiter penetrated the interior as far as the kashan mountains whence a zulu chief named mozalikatse had been expelled by the well-known kaffir dingaan and a glad welcome was given these boers by the bechuana tribes who had just escaped the hard sway of that cruel chieftain. They came with the prestige of white men and deliverers, but the Bechuana soon found, as they expressed it, that Mozalikatse was cruel to his enemies and kind to those he conquered, but that the Boers destroyed their enemies and made slaves of their friends the tribes who still retain the semblance of independence are forced to perform all the labor of the fields such as manuring the land weeding reaping building making dams and canals and at the same time to support themselves i have myself been an eye-witness of boers coming to a village and according to their usual custom demanding twenty or thirty women to weed their gardens and have seen these women proceed to the scene of unrequited toil carrying their own food on their heads their children on their backs and instruments of labor on their shoulders 
nor have the boers any wish to conceal the meanness of thus employing unpaid labor on the contrary every one of them from mr potgotter and mr gert kruger the commandants downwards lauded his own humanity and justice in making such an equitable regulation Quote, we make the people work for us in consideration of allowing them to live in our country i can appeal to the commandant kruger if the foregoing is not a fair and impartial statement of the views of himself and his people i am sensible of no mental bias towards or against these boers and during the several journeys i made to the poor enslaved tribes i never avoided the whites but tried to cure and did administer remedies to their sick without money and without price it is due to them to state that i was invariably treated with respect but it is most unfortunate that they should have been left by their own church for so many years to deteriorate and become as degraded as the blacks whom the stupid prejudice against color leads them to detest this new species of slavery which they have adopted serves to supply the lack of field labor only the demand for domestic servants must be met by forays on tribes which have good supplies of cattle the portuguese can quote instances in which blacks become so degraded by the love of strong drink as actually to sell themselves but never in any one case within the memory of man has a bechuana chief sold any of his people or a bechuana man his child hence the necessity for a foray to seize children and those individual boers who would not engage in it for the sake of slaves can seldom resist the twofold plea of a well-told story of an intended uprising of the devoted tribe and the prospect of handsome pay in the division of captured cattle besides it is difficult for a person in a civilized country to conceive that any body of men possessing the common attributes of humanity and these boers are by no means destitute of the better feelings of our nature should with one accord set out after loading their own wives and children with caresses and proceed to shoot down in cold blood men and women of a different color it is true but possessed of domestic feelings and affections equal to their own i saw and conversed with children in the houses of boers who had by their own and their master's account been captured and in several instances i traced the parents of these unfortunates though the plan approved by the long-headed among the burghers is to take children so young that they soon forget their parents and their native language also it was long before i could give credit to the tales of bloodshed told by native witnesses and had i received no other testimony but theirs i should probably have continued skeptical to this day as to the truth of the accounts but when i found the boers themselves some bewailing and denouncing 
others glorying in the bloody scenes in which they had been themselves the actors i was compelled to admit the validity of the testimony and try to account for the cruel anomaly they are all traditionally religious tracing their descent from some of the best men huguenots and dutch the world ever saw hence they claim to themselves the title of christians and all the colored race are black property or creatures they being the chosen people of god the heathen are given to them for an inheritance and they are the rod of divine vengeance on the heathen as were the jews of old living in the midst of a native population much larger than themselves and at fountains removed many miles from each other they feel somewhat in the same insecure position as do the americans in the southern states the first question put by them to strangers is respecting peace and when they receive reports from disaffected or envious natives against any tribe the case assumes all the appearance and proportions of a regular insurrection severe measures then appear to the most mildly disposed among them as imperatively called for and however bloody the massacre that follows no qualms of conscience ensue it is a dire necessity for the sake of peace indeed the late mr hendrick potgeiter most devoutly believed himself to be the great peacemaker of the country but how is it that the natives being so vastly superior in numbers to the boers do not rise and annihilate them the people among whom they live are bechuanas not coffers though no one would ever learn that distinction from a boer and history does not contain one single instance in which the bechuanas even those of them who possess firearms have attacked either the boers or the english if there is such an instance i am certain it is not generally known either beyond or in the cape colony they have defended themselves when attacked as in the case of seychelles but have never engaged in offensive war with europeans we have a very different tale to tell of the coffers and the difference has always been so evident to these border boars that ever since those magnificent savages the coffers obtained possession of firearms not one boer has ever attempted to settle in coffer land or even face them as an enemy in the field the boers have generally manifested a marked antipathy to anything but long-shot warfare and sidling away in their emigrations towards the more effeminate bechuanas they have left their quarrels with the coffers to be settled by the english and their wars to be paid for by english gold the bechuanas at kolobing had the spectacle of various tribes enslaved before their eyes the bakatla 
the Batlokoa, the Ba-King, the Bamos-Atla, and two other tribes of Bechuanas were all groaning under the oppression of unrequited labor. This would not have been felt as so great an evil, but that the young men of those tribes, anxious to obtain cattle, the only means of rising to respectability and importance among their own people, were in the habit of sallying forth like our Irish and Highland reapers to procure work in the Cape Colony. After laboring there three or four years, in building stone dikes and dams for the Dutch farmers, they were well content if at the end of that time they could return with as many cows. On presenting one to the chief, they ranked as respectable men in the tribe ever afterwards. These volunteers were highly esteemed among the Dutch, under the name of Mantates. They were paid at the rate of one shilling a day, and a large loaf of bread among six of them. Numbers of them, who had formerly seen me about twelve hundred miles inland from the Cape, recognized me with the loud laughter of joy when I was passing them at their work in the Ragafelt and Bacafelt within a few days of Cape Town. I conversed with them, and with elders of the Dutch church, for whom they were working, and found that the system was thoroughly satisfactory to both parties. I do not believe that there is a Boer in the Kashan or Magaliesburg country who would deny that a law was made in consequence of this labor passing to the colony to deprive these laborers of their hardly earned cattle, for the very urgent reason that, if they want to work, let them work for us, their masters though boasting that in their case their work would not be paid. I can never cease to be most unfeignedly thankful that I was not born in a land of slaves. No one can understand the effect of the unutterable meanness of the slave system on the minds of those who, but for the strange obliquity which prevents them from feeling the degradation of not being gentlemen enough to pay for services rendered, would be equal in virtue to ourselves. End quote. After giving his experience of eight years in Seychelles country, in Bechuanaland, Livingston continues, quote, During that time, no winter passed without one or two of the tribes in the east country being plundered of both cattle and children, by the Boers. The plan pursued is the following. One or two friendly tribes are forced to accompany a party of mounted Boers. When they reach the tribe to be attacked, the friendly natives are ranged in front to form, as they say, a shield. The Boers then coolly fire over their heads till the devoted people flee and leave cattle, wives, and children to their captors. This was done in nine cases during my residence in the interior, and on no occasion was a drop of Boer's blood shed. News of these deeds spread quickly among the Bechuanas, and letters were repeatedly sent by the Boers to Seychelles 
ordering him to come and surrender himself as their vassal and stop english traders from proceeding into the country but the discovery of lake ngami hereafter to be described made the traders come in fivefold greater numbers and seychelles replied i was made an independent chief and placed here by god and not by you i was never conquered by mozilliitkatse as those tribes whom you rule over and the english are my friends i get everything i wish from them i cannot hinder them from going where they like those who are old enough to remember the threatened invasion of our own island may understand the effect which the constant danger of a boer invasion had on the minds of the bechuanas but no others can conceive how worrying were the messages and threats from the endless self-constituted authorities of the Magalisburg boers and when to all this harassing annoyance was added the scarcity produced by the drought we could not wonder at though we felt sorry for their indisposition to receive instruction i attempted to benefit the native tribes among the boers of magalisburg by placing native teachers at different points you must teach the blacks said mr hendrick potgeiter the commandant-in-chief that they are not equal to us other boers told me i might as well teach the baboons on the rocks as the africans but declined the test which i proposed namely to examine whether they or my native attendants could read best two of their clergymen came to baptize the children of the boers so supposing these good men would assist me in overcoming the repugnance of their flock to the education of the blacks i called on them but my visit ended in a ruse practiced by the boerish commandant whereby i was led by professions of the greatest friendship to retire to kolobeng while a letter passed me by another way to the missionaries in the south demanding my instant recall for lending a cannon to their enemies footnote livingston had given to the chief seychelles a large iron pot for cooking purposes and the form of it excited the suspicions of the boers who reported that it was a cannon the pot is now in the museum at cape town in footnote these notices of the boers are not intended to produce a sneer at their ignorance but to excite the compassion of their friends they are perpetually talking about their laws but practically theirs is only the law of the strongest the bechuanas could never understand the changes which took place in their commandants why one can never know who is the chief among these boers like the bushmen they have no king they must be the bushmen of the english the idea that any tribe of men could be so senseless as not to have an hereditary chief was so absurd to these people that in order not to appear equally stupid i was obliged to tell them that we english were so anxious to preserve the royal blood 
that we had made a young lady our chief. This seemed to them a most convincing proof of our sound sense. We shall see farther on the confidence my account of our queen inspired. The Boers, encouraged by the accession of Mr. Pretorius, determined at last to put a stop to English traders going past Kolobeng by dispersing the tribe of Bechuanas and expelling all the missionaries. Sir George Cathcart proclaimed the independence of the Boers. A treaty was entered into with them, an article for the free passage of Englishmen to the country beyond, and also another that no slavery should be allowed in the independent territory, were duly inserted as expressive of the views of Her Majesty's government at home. But what about the missionaries? inquired the Boers. You may do as you please with them, is said to have been the answer of the commissioner. This remark, if uttered at all, was probably made in joke. Designing men, however, circulated it, and caused the general belief in its accuracy which now prevails all over the country, and doubtless led to the destruction of three mission stations immediately after. The Boers, four hundred in number, were sent by the late Mr. Pretorius to attack the Bechuanas in 1852, boasting that the English had given up all the blacks into their power and had agreed to aid them in their subjugation by preventing all supplies of ammunition from coming into the Bechuana country, they assaulted the Bechuanas, and besides killing a considerable number of adults, carried off two hundred of our schoolchildren into slavery. The natives under Seychelles defended themselves till the approach of night enabled them to flee to the mountains, and having in that defense killed a number of the enemy, the very first ever slain in this country by Bechuanas, I received the credit of having taught the tribe to kill Boers. My house, which had stood perfectly secure for years under the protection of the natives, was plundered in revenge. English gentlemen, who had come in the footsteps of Mr. Cumming to hunt in the country beyond, and had deposited large quantities of stores in the same keeping, and upwards of eighty head of cattle as relays for the return journeys, were robbed of all, and when they came back to Kolobeng, found the skeletons of the guardians strewed all over the place. The books of a good library, my solace in our solitude, were not taken away, but handfuls of the leaves were torn out and scattered over the place. My stock of medicines was smashed, and all our furniture and clothing carried off and sold at public auction to pay the expenses of the foray. I do not mention these things by way of making a pitiful wail over my losses, in order to excite commiseration. For though I feel sorry for the loss of lexicons, dictionaries, etc., etc., which had been the companions of my boyhood, Yet, after all, the plundering only set me entirely free for my expedition to the north, and I have never since had a moment's concern for anything I left behind. The Boers resolved to shut up the interior, 
and I determined to open the country. End quote. End of chapter 3A. Recording by Bill Mosley, Lano County, Texas, USA.